You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello, and welcome to the latest in the Trowers and Knight Frank series of podcasts with conversations on the future of real estate. Today, we're looking at the changing nature of offices, and I'm delighted to be joined by Lee Elliott, who leads the Global Occupier Research Team at Knight Frank, and Richard Proctor, who is Knight Frank's Head of London Tenant Representation and has a coordinating role for the occupier business across the rest of the UK, Europe, and the USA. So welcome to you both. There's no doubt that the current experience of large volumes of people working from home as focused minds of everyone in the sector on exactly what offices are for and how to get the best value from them. But in reality, this is just accelerating what was already a direction of travel in in reimagining the office experience. So, Lee, perhaps the best place to start is if you could set the scene in relation to those wider trends that are at play in the office market. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think what we're seeing through COVID, if you put the human tragedy of COVID to one side for a second, is uh, a lot of thinking being instigated around the role of the office going forward, work styles that are going to uh, dominate our working lives and indeed our personal lives going forward. Um, and uh, an opportunity from many businesses perhaps to rethink and reimagine work. And as a result of all of that, I think what we're going to see is is a couple of things. Firstly, a move towards more hybrid forms of work, whereby the office is one of a range of workplace settings. And we are particularly bad in the property industry at thinking quite binary. Uh, We tend to see the workplace debate as being either office or home, not both. I think the future is both, with possibly some other settings in amongst it. So we're going to see a hybrid form of work. Um, We're going to see the office change in its form and its function. And particularly, we're going to see the office be much less about being a place for administration and much more a place where people come together to collaborate, to innovate, to be educated and to socialize. And I think that has some quite marked implications for the types of space we need, the quantum of space we need, and in some cases, the location of that space as well. Richard, uh, from your perspective, are you seeing those sorts of changes reflected in occupier demand? Well, I'm not sure whether we're seeing it in demand at the moment, um, but there's no question about it in the conversations I'm having with a very wide spectrum of occupier clients from all sectors. uh, The points Lee has just mentioned are absolutely to the top of their uh, agenda at the moment and and in some cases are are a cause of concern i mean there is there is no question about it we're beginning to see headlines around concerns over productivity levels i think it's quite interesting because certainly early on in the whole uh, working from home uh, experiment as i know lee sometimes refers to it you know everything was terribly positive and everyone was hugely productive but we're beginning to see some headlines now where either you know the head of a bank is questioning productivity and in particular sort of what goes on on a monday and a friday or in in a more recent survey of a number of companies you know quite a few people are raising concerns over productivity levels and then linking back to what lee was saying you know there's real concern over how do you truly properly collaborate in a remote 
um, situation. And I think the thing I'm hearing an awful lot about is the concerns over what I would call sort of subliminal learning. You know, formal training, i.e. put people in a room for three hours and explain how something works, is easily done even in a remote form, you know, using all the different sort of packages we now can use virtually. But I would say 90, 95% of what we learn when we're sort of working is is subliminal. It's over seeing and, and listening in to what other people are saying. And, you know, there are a lot of sectors that have been absolutely sort of founded on the principle of uh, younger members of staff learn from more senior experienced people by working alongside them. And if we take your sector in particular, Chris, the legal sector, you know, the the strategy of having partners in offices with associates or with trainees has been for that very reason. And that is a really difficult thing to recreate in a remote working environment. So I think there's real concern about a training gap and how are you going to bring younger people on um, whilst we continue to have working from home or working from home if you're able to type policies. So that is something I'm hearing an awful lot about at the moment. Yeah, and I, and I think it's interesting when, uh, you know, when we went through the experience of uh, surveying staff in terms of who wanted to come back into the office and, and how often they wanted to come back, I think it was that there was a clear indication that the junior members of staff were the ones that really valued the office environment. And I think I think the whole process does focus the minds in terms of, you know, how do you give people the incentive to get out of their out of their houses into the commute and come in into the office and uh, and clearly there are differences across sectors i guess and different businesses in terms of who gets the value out of out of the office and uh, and how one of the other issues obviously is uh, is around culture isn't it is just that business of trying to allow people to absorb the culture of a business and a lot of that comes from uh, from the office experience that cultural point is really important, Chris. And, and it, one of the things that we are uh, that strikes me about the situation over the last six months or, go, or so has been very much that we've got into hyperbole, we've got into death of the office narratives, and we've got into how great homeworking is. And as Richard rightly points out, you know that there's a bit more balance in that debate now. Um, and and culture is an interesting example of that because I think it wasn't that long ago, maybe two, three years ago, that Yahoo completely reversed out of their um, working from home or working remotely policy on the basis that they couldn't get them galvanized their corporate culture sufficiently. Uh, and I think that's something we need to be very mindful of and, and occupiers that I talk to are very mindful of is just protecting that culture, also, also looking to develop that culture in what's an unprecedented period of change um, to ensure that actually you keep the essence of what your business is about. And we know that the office has a, a tremendous role to play in galvanizing, perpetuating and, and portraying that culture. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Lee. I mean, you know, putting it onto a totally personal level, and I'm sure my colleague wouldn't mind me saying this, you know, we've, we've got a member of our team who's, uh, you know, fingers crossed, scheduled to get married at the end of this week. And, you know, as a team, we would always have done something leading up to that to sort of you know celebrate that exciting moment you know teams are sort of built on not just working hard but also 
enjoying working together and there has to be a social element to it uh, and you know at the moment due to whether it be you know the rule of six or like we are at the moment we're sort of split into two teams you know a red team and a green team which i know a lot of businesses have adopted are uh, you know at the moment that sort of social side of things is really constrained if not nigh impossible and and I've really begun to notice it, and yeah, you know, I've had a lot of comments um, from colleagues about how frustrating it is that we can't really carry out that side of the sort of working life that we've all been so used to, and, and it's definitely beginning to have an impact, and that has to flow through and have an impact just culturally through businesses. So a real challenge for everyone going forward as to how do you maintain the culture whilst we haven't got everyone as we used to sort of normally working in an office you know how do you maintain that and then also you know when perhaps things do free up a bit and inevitably we do get into a more balanced world where people are perhaps you know doing two or three days in the office and you know a, you know, a couple of days at home in the week again how do you manage that so that you can maintain the cultural and the social side which are so important i think to uh, the success of a business. I, I mean, it, you know, you could argue it's the glue that frankly binds a business together and really helps retain talent. It's such an important piece. Yeah, I think that's right. And and it's that intangible, the kind of social well-being side, isn't it, which which I think a lot of businesses are starting to focus on and, and where the office can can play such an important part. And I think where you where you miss it when it's not there. I mean, I certainly miss, you know, not being around people and just having the opportunity to have a quick chat with with someone um, I, I think that's really hard to replicate in a in a remote environment i mean uh, uh, do you think that uh, i mean a lot of the talk was around reconfiguring office space so there's less working pods and there's more collaboration space and socializing space is the is the feeling that what's going on now is going to accelerate that process? Well, I think what we're seeing, Chris, is, 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 is probably, uh, you know, we, we talked about the experiment earlier. I think we're in the second phase of a three-phase experiment in, in the workplace. The second phase is about re- uh, you know, reoccupying office space, but with social distancing measures in place. And that has led to a reconfiguration of most offices. I mean, the general direction of travel in office occupancy over the last 10 years has been for occupiers to uh, put more more people into less space. And clearly with social distancing at play, that's quite challenging, if not not impossible to deliver. So we're naturally seeing a constraint on the amount of capacity within office space. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're having to apply a two-meter social distancing into our offices uh, when typically there's probably on average a, a, a 1.3 to 1.6 meter separation at, at best. So that reconfiguration, the short term to reoccupy, um, I think is important and necessary, really. But I think the longer term piece around this is, is as, as you say, expediting, if you like, the, the journey we've been on for some time, which is around a greater proportion of the floor plate being given over to more collaborative, creative zones, places where people can come together, share ideas, develop products, services, et cetera, and much less about, about row upon row of desks of people sitting, you know, nine to five administering email, because I think the one experience that we're all becoming familiar with out of COVID is that you don't need to be sat 
uh, at a at a desk nine to five to administer email. We're more and more comfortable with uh, doing that on the fly. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, all I am sort of hearing, and and as Lee mentioned, we were heading this way anyway, but uh, there is going to be a real move to looking at the function and the purpose of office space moving forwards. And there's definitely already a big focus on on client space and most importantly, collaboration, innovation space. I mean, as you mentioned, Chris, I think we all miss the convenience of that sort of chance conversation that would lead to a great idea or an opportunity, you know, to cross sell something else into a, into a client. Yeah, th- those sort of chance conversations just don't tend to happen when you're on a team's call, um, but they do happen with an incredible um, sort of frequency when you are in an office and you're sort of running up and down and interconnecting stairs and you happen to bump into someone or you sort of you know end up chatting to a colleague while sort of in the queue for a coffee at the cafe. So I think a lot of people miss that and and business will definitely miss that from a from again from a productivity and business generation standpoint. The other thing sort of which I think is linked to this the office as an amenity and a facility has got to have something really quite enticing about it now to bring uh, both staff but also clients to it. I mean, Lee will correct me on this because I'll, I'll probably get it wrong, but I think the average commute journey for workers in central London is 75 minutes. And when we talk about balance, you know, I bet you pretty much every survey that's asked a question over the last six months of do you miss your commute? I, I, I'm pretty sure there will be a resounding um, no um, or, or certainly a, a very high percentage who who indicate they don't miss the commute. So how are you going to make that commute worthwhile again? And this will all be, form a key part in how offices are designed in terms of the amenity, the facility, but also the environment they create. If people think they're going to go into some space that is really fabulous space to work in, but also they're going to have lots of really good collaborative moments with colleagues. It's going to generate innovation, great ideas, and it's really going to drive the business forward. And as a result, it's a really buzzy, lively place to work. People are going to go in. But if it's a somewhat stale, um, library-like environment, well, you're going to stay at home because you can have a quiet environment with little interaction at home. So why make the journey into a similar environment? So that's the challenge, not just facing companies and their space, but also actually developers, landlords, because they have got to also make the the total offering in a building uh, one that helps their clients, i.e. the occupiers of the space, helps them to sort of really get employees and clients into the office space again. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's there's such a parallel with, with the retail experience where uh, internet shopping has told us that you don't need to be in a, a bricks and mortar shop to buy things anymore. Um, and what is going to draw people into to those shops is the the experience. 
and it kind of it feels to me like we're at almost getting to that point with with the office side where there are what you might think of as the normal function of of an office you don't need to be in the office for anymore and it's really about the experience that you get in there and how that impacts on uh, staff morale and motivation and frankly talent recruitment because it's all part of that same package isn't it I, I think that's absolutely right, Chris, and I, and I think that's a challenge for both occupier and 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 the provider of space, land, the landlord community. You know, at the end of the day, um, your brand as an occupier will uh, be determined by the experience that people have in your space, whether that's your staff or your your your, your visitors, your clients. Um, and, and from the landlord's perspective, frankly, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, rapid development needed uh, within the supply side of real estate to recognize that the real estate solution of the future is not just a physical one, but is actually a human one. It's about interaction between humans, providing service, providing experience, providing an interconnection and interactivity. Um, that, that is more akin perhaps to the sort of service that you'd expect in, in the hotel environment. For example, you, re- you rightly reference retail as well, which has been through its own structural changes. But I, I, I would refer a little to the, the hotel space and sort of concierge and the sort of serviced environment that you get within hotels. And it's no surprise that the people that have been seeing the march in the market pre-COVID, uh, you know, the co-working operators generally came from that sort of hospitality background. And I think conventional landlords, either independent of or in partnership with those sorts of operators will look to try and provide those experiences increasingly. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, Lee. I mean, it would be very, very easy in the turbulent business environment that we're in to sort of go back to where we were maybe pre-GFC, where you just felt far too often offices were regarded as a container that you just shoved people into. And then, frankly, you did everything you could to sort of um, reduce the cost of that container down to its very sort of lowest possible figure. And it would be very easy in this environment to sort of reverse back into that thinking. But And I have to sort of flag that clearly I am slightly biased here, but I genuinely do believe that that would be the worst possible thing for businesses to start doing. They actually need to really embrace the strategic importance that an office brings to a business. And if you deliver the office that we were talking about a moment ago, the exciting, vibrant workplace, that, in my mind, without doubt, will deliver productivity. But more than that, we are still going to have a war for talent, even um, sort of through COVID and beyond. And a great office will really help with the attracting of talent, the retaining of talent. And this is something we've been seeing for a while now. People have seen offices as a strategic device that can really help drive their business and, frankly, uh, enable them to meet their business plans. But I do fear that some will think, like they used to sort of a decade or so ago and we'll start sort of looking at more through the lens of a cost that needs to be managed down rather than a benefit and a strategic device that they can use to really transform the way their business operates. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I'm conscious that we could keep talking about this probably um, for the rest of the day, but uh, we should probably bring things to a close there. Um, So, 
Thank you, Lee and Richard, for your insights. There is absolutely uh, no doubt that it's vital for investors, landlords, occupiers and everyone in the sector to take this opportunity to to reimagine how the office space is going to function going forward. And, and I have no doubt that debate will, will continue long into the night. Um, thank you both for your, for your input. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.